When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans, sports fans across the country and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. I've got a very special uh, co-pilot in my podcast this week sitting in uh, for Austin Ward, I guess, who's been on a cruise or something. But uh, Tyson Gentry, that must be the life, huh, going off on cruises? Yeah, I guess, really. Where'd uh, where'd I miss that memo? Yeah, I don't know. I I missed that memo also, the invitation, et cetera. But uh, I'm not sure how much fun I'd be on a cruise. I'd probably be sitting around going, uh, when are we going to hit uh, big water is not part is not one of my expertises, man. I'm not, I've never been a fan of big water. How about yourself? Uh, I don't mind it, but uh, I've never been on a cruise and uh, I don't know that anybody wants to see me in a bathing suit. So we'll just leave it at that. Well, vice versa. I mean, uh, a ditto, we could sit in the same area, you know, by the pool, you know, but, uh, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Tyson Gentry, a former Ohio State walk-on uh, punter and wide receiver, mainly wide receiver, is joining me in my podcast this week. We're, we're going to talk about a lot of things, including uh, the ridiculous largesse of depth at wide receiver for Ohio State, which was put on display one more time in the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, just when they lost two, they got two more. That's, that, that is a life of riches for Ohio State, Brad Hartline, Ryan Day, and that offensive staff, isn't it, uh, Tyson? Yeah, they they definitely have no problem with depth, and uh, it's it's been exciting to see. Obviously, as a receiver myself, it's been fun to watch that, that talent just be cultivated. And uh, Brian definitely knows what he's doing. He was uh, a year younger than me. We uh, were teammates, so uh, it's I knew even back when he was uh, a teammate of mine that he was gonna do big things. And coaching is is no surprise that he's thrived there. So it's been fun to watch. Yeah, I'm going to get into that with you in a minute because uh, kind of put that two and two together. You know, I'm 67. Sometimes I forget a few things, you know, but as guys come and go, I've probably covered thousands of Ohio State football players. Well, you don't get to you don't get to cover them like the good old days uh, way back when when I first started. But we'll get into that in a minute. But, you know, I also wanted to remind folks that uh, uh, who watch the Daytona 500 on on Sunday. You know, I don't, I don't do a lot of other sports on here other than college football, but. You know, when a guy that I've known since he was like uh, half a year old, Austin Cendrick, he was born in Columbus. His dad became the president of Penske Racing, and they moved to Mooresville, North Carolina. Uh, but I've kept in touch with him and his dad, obviously, through all these years and stuff, covering auto racing. And uh, what a thrill it was to see this youngster, the grandson of the late Jim Truman, the founder of Red Roof Inn's True Sports, uh, the team that won the Indy 500 in 1986, uh, with Bobby Rahal, but what a thrill it was to see this guy drive to the front and then, uh, you know, throw his elbows out at the end and win the Daytona 100, Daytona 500 for the first time at 23 years old. Wow, that was exciting. I don't know if you got to watch it, Tyson, but but what a moment for for a young man, right? Yeah, definitely. I did not, unfortunately, get to watch it. We were driving back from North Carolina. Uh, we were out of town for uh, my wife's friend's uh, wedding shower. And actually, uh, her father 
uh, is real involved with the uh, the ARCA series, or it used to be his son used to race and uh, since retired from racing. But uh, I watched a lot of stuff uh, pretty much racing all day Saturday with him while uh, Meg was at the bridal shower. So, yeah. Well, an ARCA race was fun, a hell- fun thing to watch. Yeah, ARCA race was a hell of a race. I mean, uh, those guys, are, those are sort of unbridled. I call those unbridled stock cars. You know, you never know what's going to happen in an ARCA race. <laughs> guys, guys who want to get to the top. Uh, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, it's uh, fun to watch, you know, just with the, the different kind of regulations that they've got and uh, restrictive plates and all that. So it's it's fun to see the different classes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people who know me know that, uh, uh, you know, I really like auto racing. I especially like uh, – IndyCar and Formula One, maybe more than any other, but I give it up to the guys who drive these stock cars. And uh, of course, they've got the new, they've got the new, the new car now, uh, the next gen car. And it yeah. looked like it held up pretty well, except when it got upside, a couple of them got upside down. What do you think? Yeah, it seemed like it. Um, you know, I, I guess I hadn't really heard much about it before uh, talking to um, our friend's dad about just the new stock series and. Uh, everything that they've done to try and regulate things and keep things consistent. But yeah. I think it's a double-edged sword. They've gotten away uh, a lot from, I think too much money kind of has ruined a lot of racing and even down to the little guys. My dad grew up watching the uh, the sprint cars and super modifieds in Sandusky and uh, even that. So it's just kind of a, a shame in, in one way, but it's still fun to watch and, on the other hand. So. Ladies and gentlemen, I may have stumbled onto a gearhead here. I mean, he may not he may not still be admitting it to himself, but uh, he's sure is around a lot of people who are gearheads, uh, Tyson Gentry. But hey, Tyson, let's just get right into it, man. I'm I've been impressed with you. Another uh, one, number one, I'm always impressed by anybody who either is recruited by or walks on to play football at Ohio State, talking about uh, you know high speed <laughs> high speed sports and. Uh, uh, what do you remember way back when was it 2004 when you walked on to Ohio State or was 2005 I get the I get the years mixed up oh four yeah yeah and w- yeah. what what provoked you you know uh, uh, to, to walk on to walk on knowing what a hard road that was going to be at Ohio State uh, I don't know if it was so much of uh, being provoked as it was just uh, the realization of uh, a lifelong dream, and uh, I I idolized the the Buckeyes since being a kid. My dad played for Woody back in the '70s, so uh, naturally I was uh, cut from the same cloth, so to speak. But um, yeah. I really didn't get uh, many offers as far as uh, scholarships go. Cincinnati recruited me, and uh, Mike Tressel was there at the time with uh, D'Antonio and. As much as I appreciated the offer, I think Cincinnati, I just didn't want to be a four-hour drive from, from home. And I actually settled on going to Capitol. Uh, and I don't want to say settled. I was excited to go there and play some D3 football. My sister went there and played volleyball. And then uh, Ohio State reached out and said that they had a, a spot open for a punter. And uh, I jumped at the opportunity. I didn't want to pass it up and thought to myself, if it didn't work out, I could always transfer back to Capitol. And do that but uh yeah it was just a an amazing dream come true to get the offer to be a preferred walk-on and get on the team uh as you look at as you look back on it now you know you're you know we're going to talk about it in a minute like you you and i were talking about earlier about brian hartline you know uh was a teammate and stuff i mean it was 
that was way back when it wasn't as far back as you, as, as some people think though, in mid, mid two thousands. But, uh, uh, what was, what was going to be the, what was going to be the toughest, uh, hurdle, I guess, to get on the field as a, as a regular player, as a walk-on, as you look back on it now, I mean, would you, would you recommend that path to people, I guess? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. If you don't put yourself out there and, and, uh, take those chances. Obviously it's what you, it's what I worked uh, a lot of years and, and hours and sacrifice things like that to uh, achieve that dream and just for things to line up the way they did. But yeah, absolutely. Um, even given knowing the result of uh, how my career ended, uh, I still wouldn't change a thing. It's one of the things that I've uh, reflect back on and have so many good memories and at the end of the day, you know, you can't not do something because there's risk involved and uh, things may not end up the way that you had hoped, but that's life, right? Yeah, that is life. You know, I've, I've uh, jokingly said uh, through my career as a sports writer that I co- my three main beats that I covered uh, were football, auto racing, and boxing, two where they wear a helmet and one where they should. <laughs> and uh, – uh, they took me places, man. Got to cover, get to be around a lot of people, inspirational, et cetera. You're one of the more, you've turned into one of the more inspirational people I've ever known. I hardly got to know you though when you were a player there. And uh, you know, let's just jump right into it real quick and get past this. Uh, um, you know, you were injured. And I think you were going across the middle, right? Kurt Coleman came up and popped you. Uh, you landed awkwardly in a scrimmage. I think it was on April 14th, 2006, in Ohio Stadium. Uh, that was that was pretty much the spring when you were going to try to. I, I would think you felt pretty confident about making a little bit of a move right on the uh, on the depth chart, the the roster, whatever you want to call it. And uh, uh, you haven't walked since that moment. But uh, as you look as you look back on, like you said a while ago, you wouldn't change a thing. But as you look back on that moment, it it changed your life forever. And is it is it is it stunning to you now? Because I know you've talked about this, and you know you've got a foundation now, new perspective. Uh, you've talked, you're an inspirational speaker to a lot of people. You talk about, you help people with mental toughness, things like this. We're going to get into that in a minute too. But, uh, as you look back on that, is it, does it seem surreal a little bit that what happened? Can you take people back there just for an instant and let them know how a a life, a person's life can change forever in a heartbeat? Yeah, definitely. Uh, surreal is a good word for it, but, uh, yeah, like you said at that time, um, I, I had just been asked to move full-time to receiver. I was still punting and doing receiver with scout team and, and all that. And, uh, yeah. um, trying to figure out a, a way to get on the field. Um, I had been kind of bouncing back and forth between second and third string as a punter. And, uh, the year before I just didn't have a very good, uh, year with punting and John Toma, who was uh, a year younger than me ended up kind of getting that second string spot. And I think, Coach Trust realized that it just wasn't going to work out with the current punter being A.J. Trapasso. He and I were the same year. And so either leave me at second string the rest of my career or try and do something as a receiver. So I remember being disappointed when I was asked to move full-time to receiver because I, I didn't want to compete there instead of being bumped all the way down to the bottom of the depth chart at receiver. But at the end of the day, I was a receiver in high school. I loved the position, and uh, I'd been doing scout team receiver since my freshman year anyway. 
And it was a great transition. I loved it. I loved uh, being able to get out and run and, and do more than just punt for the first few periods of practice and then uh, go off to the other field and kind of do our thing with the other specialists. Yeah. So when, uh, when that spring practice came, uh, we did the inter-squad scrimmage and it was our chance to, to really get out there and just kind of showcase what we can do, what we've been learning. Uh, I had to dive big time into the, the playbook at that point because I wasn't full on learning the offense uh, up until that spring. And yeah, like you said, April 14th, it was actually Good Friday. And, you know, when you talk about timing and uh, God's timing and uh, the surrealness of how everything played out, uh, that was uh, pretty incredible to me, especially once you realize, I guess, what I'm about to, to get to with it being Good Friday. That always kind of stuck out to me. And uh, thankfully, my faith has grown uh exponentially since my injury, which again, I'm very thankful for, but I, I, it always kind of stuck out to me that my injury was on good Friday and kind of what that's associated with. But, uh, 10 years later, let me back up a second, but when I was being wheeled off the field, a lot of questions going through my head and just concerned for what the future held. And over the following days and weeks, uh, some of those questions were, would I ever be a husband? Would I ever be a dad? Would I obviously ever walk again? Things like that. But uh, exactly 10 years after my injury in 2016, uh, on March 27th, my so uh, first son, Adam, was born. He was born on Easter Sunday. And uh, so just for the timing of that, I mean, we always say God's timing is perfect. So um you know, it's really just kind of solidified everything to, to me to say that everything happens for a reason and uh, you just have to trust and make the best of what you're given. Yeah. Wow. That is the, I didn't realize the irony of your son's, of your son's, uh, <laughs> of your son's birthday. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, people stuck by you too. I mean, you get, you got immediate uh, big time uh, medical care on the field, you know, some of the people there help pretty much kind of like save your life, but also you got immediate yeah. big time care. Uh, who do you, who do you remember most from that group who, I don't know, uh, maybe was the most uh, influential for lack of another term on, on, on basically saving your life, but also, you know, maybe helping you come to grips with the situation. Um. I mean, obviously the doctors, uh, the team doctors, the uh, physicians I had at OSU Medical Center who did the surgery to stabilize my neck. And um, I'm, my, I've got titanium from C3 to C5 to kind of stabilize everything. Yeah. But, uh, in terms of the immediate response on the field, uh, definitely Doug Callen and Bob Sweeney, they were the, the two head athletic trainers at the time, whom I'm sure you are uh, well uh, aware of who they are, but, yeah. uh, um, yeah. And then even just over the following, uh, years, as I lived out the rest of my career as a, a Buckeye, um, just being on the sidelines and having Doug and Bob follow up with me on things and make sure, but, um, obviously, uh, Dr. Borchers, Dr. Uh, Kading, um, I mean, there's a, a handful of guys that were really, uh, for sure, important in, in just making sure that I had everything I needed. And uh, 
that everything, you know, will play out as best as possible after that. But pretty incredible group of guys for sure. No kidding. No kidding. I mean, uh, that's what's always impressed me about Ohio State is the uh, the training and, and uh, medical care. Uh, I think is, you know, takes a backseat to no one, but also their, their immediate, I just give it up to professionals. Like, like, for example, Doug Callen, you know, these guys, you know, immediately what to do, you know what I mean? And, and uh, it, it, yeah. And, and, and five seconds, one way or the other can make such a difference. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in a situation like that. Uh, I know that my freshman year, uh, Mike Kudla suffered a, a spinal cord injury or a nice spinal cord. He, he broke his neck out of practice and they had to backboard him and take him off. And thankfully he didn't have any paralysis because of it. Yeah. Um, but I know that, you know, that happened. And then, uh, so this is probably about a year and a half later that my injury happened. So yeah, for them to know exactly how to respond in a critical situation when seconds are critical, I'm very grateful for that. Definitely. Hey, uh, you know, you, you've dealt with this. You, you've had, like I said, you've made talks about this and stuff. I just wanted to ask you, so people who maybe haven't known your story for, you know, haven't known your story now or, or aren't familiar with it. Uh, how long did it come? How long did it take you mentally to come to grips with what your uh, challenge was from that moment going forward? How, how long did it take you to come to grips uh, with your situation? It, it was definitely progression. Uh, the first year is for sure the hardest. Uh, so I'd, I'd say overall for, for to be able to kind of move forward and kind of stop asking those questions of, am I going to have to do this every day for the rest of my life? Am I going to have to rely on somebody to get me dressed and in my wheelchair and help me uh, get things and drive me everywhere? Just all those repetitive questions. I think probably about a year, but uh in terms of just kind of taking a step back and having a little perspective on things, uh, which is where the name of our foundation really comes from. Uh, it really only took, I'd say maybe a month to where I was doing my inpatient rehab at Dodd Hall there. And yeah. there are patients there who have uh, um, traumatic brain injuries. And so seeing some of them, and the situations that they're in and seeing how torn up their families are, I was able to thankfully, again, just take a step back and see my situation and realize that, yeah, it's, it's not good. Uh, there's a lot of bad things about it. There's a lot of things that I'm not happy about, but there's still a lot of things that I do have that I have to be thankful for because it could always be worse. And just to be able to joke with my family and friends and teammates and still be able to hug everybody and uh, yeah. express just all that and seeing the people who had brain injuries who are just kind of like vegetables, you know, they can't communicate there. Uh, it's just very sad. So um, having that perspective really helped. And again, just coming to realize the different ways looking back that I think God kind of orchestrates things. Um, it, it really does put things in a perspective and helps you move on to move forward. I was going to say, man, you know, you've been blessed with the, you can still hug people, right? You've got movement in your upper arms, uh, your biceps. I mean, that, that is so, that people don't know the, the strength of a hug, do they? I mean, what it can mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In fact, my, uh, we've got two boys, Adam and Ryan, and uh, Ryan is 
about to be four here soon, and Adam will be six here soon. But uh, Ryan always comes up to me and he'll be like, Dada, and he'll run up and just jump on my lap and give me a hug because he knows how much I love hugs. So it's great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, when, did, when did you when did you feel, you know, when did you start to turn this, you know, people like to label things, you know, positive, negative, you know, black and white, you know what I mean? Uh, red and green. Um, when did you turn, when did you, when did you turn this, start to turn this into a positive, give people like the new perspective foundation and stuff. Uh, when did you feel like you had a voice again for one of another term and, and, that you could use this, your situation, not not just to enlighten people, but to embolden people. You know, what I mean, uh, to understand that uh, life goes on, et cetera, make the most of it. Right. Uh, but when, when, when did that really hit you that, uh, wow, you know, I can take this and turn it into a positive? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it was the progression, but I think fairly early on, maybe uh, within the first handful of months to where I I realized that there are people who had uh, spinal cord injuries, other patients at Dodd Hall who just were not in good places mentally. And uh, some of the different staff there asked me to, to, you know, reach out and talk to other patients. And just knowing that, uh, like Romans 8.28 is one of my favorite Bible verses, and it basically boils down to saying that a lot of good can come from a bad situation. And I'm always grateful for any opportunity that I get that uh, something good can come from all the pain and, and suffering and sadness that I went through, that there's, again, plenty of opportunities that I've been given this platform to uh, reach people that I otherwise would never have met, would never have uh, been given the, the privilege and, and opportunity to help them through their struggles and, and basically uh, try and help them make something of, make uh, some lemonade out of their lemons. I've got, got a pretty good recipe. Yeah. Yeah. I'd buy your lemonade, man. Uh, you got to get a little stand going. There we go. Get your two little boys out there. You know what I mean? You always up. Yeah. You, right. You know, right. They you got your beautiful wife. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. your life's, your life's pretty good, man. I mean, uh, from that perspective, um, and people have stuck, stuck, but stood by, uh, coach Trussell, do you, do you hear from him often? Yeah, so we we keep in touch uh, throughout the year. We'll uh, text and do phone calls, and uh, I'm I'm forever in his corner. That that man is for sure responsible for improving the lives of many uh, young men, and just everything that he did to teach us how to be better people beyond the game of football, and the time and, and hours that we spent in team meetings and and having quiet time reflecting our our winners manuals and. Uh, again, just teaching those intangible things of when uh, it's always stuck out to me the way that this was phrased, but he said that someday the, the game of football is going to come to an end for all of you. And at that point, you need to decide what it is you're going to do with your life. And so he really just dedicated a lot of time to making sure we all had some direction on what we would do when the cheering stopped. And uh yeah, I'll be forever grateful for him. And uh, to this day, he's a great guy, and I love getting to catch up with him. I was going to say his football career came to a screeching halt, you know, but he bounced <laughs> he bounced back and became president of a university. I mean, 
That's right. kind of that's kind of interesting in its own right, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, again, I think he's just so big on being able to uh, influence and give direction to to young people and improve the lives of others. And I mean, it could not have be could not have been a better fit for him after uh, the the end of his coaching career, which. Uh, as unfortunate as that was with the circumstances that led up to it. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm very glad that he landed on his feet and is doing well and thriving in Youngstown State. Yeah, now, nowadays, you not only can get a tattoo from somebody, but you can uh, do a commercial for him and get paid for it. I mean, isn't that pretty interesting how life changes, isn't it, Tyson? <laughs> yeah, it is. I think uh, there's, there's definitely got to be some uh, retroactive uh, retributions that should be straightened out and I'm, I'm hoping that someday that 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 happens and he can be cleared and the, some of the players involved can be cleared and, and all that but uh yeah for sure unfortunate to say the least well as I like to say though you know uh you you may get a you may get a speeding ticket going down a 55 going down a highway where the speed limit is 55 miles an hour and uh, you pay that ticket, and then two years later they change that speed limit to seventy. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going you're going to get your money back. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's just sort of tough luck, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of putting it for sure. I guess I don't, I've never looked at it that way. Hey, real quick, you you know I've, uh, the National Football Foundation, the the Columbus chapter. Um, I was honored there a couple of years ago and gave one of the worst speeches of my life because it, I just looked back on that. I thought I was going to get so much time to like get up there and just talk about everything. And when I get going, as anybody knows on my podcast, it kind of hard to kind of hard to shut me up. But, uh, um, and I do, I do regret because I got up there and I uh, tried to shorten his speech into like, you know, just a little condense it into, and I grabbed the wrong part to condense. Cause what I really wanted to do was think the players you know, I'm still looking out there at Keith Byer sitting in the in the audience, you know, a guy I covered and uh, John Wooldridge and and, you know, you were there and uh, all these ex-players. And I'm, I made it more about me than it than it it should have been about them, because without them, without covering somebody, you know, I'm just writing, uh, you know, a blank sheet of paper. If you follow my drift there and it still it still haunts me to this day. I think about that every day. But there you are. You gave a, an award, uh, the Tyson Gentry Award. I think is what it's called. Correct. Is that what it's called? The, uh, yeah. Courage Award. Yeah. Yeah. Courage Award to a Ryan Shazier that night. That was oh, okay. that was ridiculously huge, you know, and uh, and then. And, you know, they, every year you give out, you give out that courage award this year, who did it go to? I'm trying to remember. Uh, this year it actually went to Demetri Stanley. Demetri Stanley. who's dealing with yeah, a great pro- Yeah. Dealing with prostate cancer. I mean, challenges come in all directions for all kinds of people and even athletes and stuff. But I mean, how, how much does it mean to you to, to have an award if that's the right, yeah, an award is recognition more than anything else, right? A recognition award uh, for people who who are facing challenges and meet them head on and stuff. But what what does that mean to you to now uh, have an award in your name that 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 goes to the, you know someone of that caliber? Uh, absolutely, I not to be just uh, your your canned answer, but I mean it is an honor and a privilege to, to have that opportunity to recognize the courage that, that others have and the adversity that 
others go through because I think it, it really does deserve recognition to show others that, look, we all go through bad times. We all, it's not a matter of if, but when we are going to face adversity. Um, nobody's guaranteed a, a free pass in this life. And when, when somebody can go through something like that uh, and people can rally around them and help them through, we're all going to need that at some point. And so uh, to, yeah, have that opportunity to uh, recognize the courage in others and uh, to, you know, Ryan Shazier, that was pretty incredible. The, the fact that uh, one of my Buckeye brothers suffered a spinal cord injury and uh, the way that he was able to fight through and uh, thankfully his injury was uh, what it was that he was able to regain function and uh, walk again. I mean, that's just incredible and inspirational and the world needs more of that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I had Demetrius on my, on my podcast, uh, middle of the season, you know, when Ohio state was going through some challenges and stuff and had him, uh, break that, break things down. And he's big time spirit, you know, up, <laughs> uplifting being around some of these guys, right? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. You're good. He really is. I've, it's been awesome getting to know him because I, I'd never met him before we decided on giving him the courage award uh, two years ago. He was supposed to get it, but with COVID and everything, we didn't end up, we kind of did an abridged version of the, the banquet, uh, did, it, did it online and uh, through video. So yeah, to, to be able to go up and, and meet him in person after talking with him and texting with him over the, the last uh, couple of years, uh, it's been amazing. And then I think, Again, he, he actually has just had uh, a relapse with, with cancer and things are kind of hitting him pretty hard right now. Thankfully, he's at the James now and uh, is hopefully going to really come and uh, make a good recovery from here with the care that he's getting. But I think it's pretty appropriate that we're playing Notre Dame uh, this year and next year. And uh, the, the amazing highlights that he's had in, in the Notre Dame matchup. So I think there's, there's going to be an opportunity that we can uh, rally some, some Buckeye fans and former Buckeye players and do something to, to maybe raise some money to help him out because I'm sure the medical bills with everything he's going through, it's got to be pretty crazy, but we need to step up and help him out in his time of need. Yeah. That big play he had up at South Bend kind of set the tone, you know, in 96 after I stated upset Notre Dame in 95 and they go up there and beat them two years in a row. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they even the series at that point at two and two, you know, in his, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, man, I just, uh, it just, it, it is, you know, no matter how, it, if it ends the way your football career ended or others, football is fleeting finally. And it, I mean, it, it's, it's, you do have to always be looking around the corner, don't you Tyson? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of parallels and uh, things that can be drawn just with life in general. I mean, uh, that's life. Like you have to appreciate the moments that you're in because you'll look back and realize that, man, the good old days seem to go by fast. But at the same time, you can be living in the good old days at the same time as reflecting back on all the good memories you had. So, uh, Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just have to appreciate and take uh everything you know as it comes as it comes uh brian hartline like you said you were he was 
I'm trying to remember. Was he? Old? He's older than you, right? By a year. I'm trying to remember. No. Are you older than him? He, by uh, a year younger. Yeah, you're younger. younger. What did you know? We talked about this earlier. You saw something in him, even as a player, that you thought he could be what he is now. Maybe considered the best wide receiver, college wide receiver coach in the country. Uh, heck, he might be one of the best receiver coaches in the country, NFL, et cetera. Uh, but uh, you saw something in him. Uh, what was it uh, way back then, even back then when he was a player that told you, man, this guy, he could be something special? Definitely. So I've had this conversation a handful of times, but uh, I really think it was his ability and desire to to just study and learn. Like he came in as a, a freshman and we all knew his athleticism. I was a hurdler in high school. I, I saw him run the hurdles. And uh, so, I mean, his athleticism for sure, you, you got to have the natural talent to, to do it. But uh, I remember him coming in and getting with uh, uh, Anthony Gonzalez right away and just picking his brain and, you know, kind of just picking up little things here and there. What, what, you, what do you do? How do you do this in this situation? And so – uh, just being a student of the game. So when he went to the NFL, again, with his athleticism and talent, and then knowing that he had a mind for the game, uh, I wasn't surprised that he really had a, a nice career there with Miami. And uh, um, so then, yeah, to transition to coaching. And uh, we had a great coach in Daryl Hazel uh, teaching us um, at receiver. So between, you know, his – uh, God-given ability and uh, the coaching that we had and then his career in the NFL. I mean, again, it's just been a natural progression, but it's been fun to, to see him thrive and do well. Hey, man, I have put forth the theory, not the, the not the theory, the view that uh, that wide receiver room last year was as deep and was as deep and talented as any Ohio State has ever had. Uh, and now I'm, as you're sitting there talking, I'm just thinking about the wide receiver room you were in. <laughs> Ted Ginn Jr., uh, you know, Anthony Gonzalez, um, uh, Brian Hartline, who am I leaving Hartline. out? San Antonio Holmes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, but, yeah. I'm just trying to chime in and name uh, some of the guys that were there. Um, well, keep naming them, man. I left out a couple, I'm sure. Uh, Dane Sanzenbacher was a great little uh, slot receiver when I was there. Yeah. Uh, Rubisky was there. Brian Rubisky was there. Um, trying to think of even some of the younger guys by my senior year. Um, Jake Stoneburner um, was came in as a receiver and then moved to tight end. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just definitely a lot of talent, and it was fun to watch. Actually, my uh, my freshman year, because, again, I, I got in with the scout team receiver pretty quickly. Coach Trust liked to throw the punters in with running slants and just routes for the quarterbacks to warm up. Right. Because he always said that the punters have to have the best teams or best hands on the team. Right. And, uh, but Bam Childress was a, a receiver my freshman year and he was actually uh, Mr. Uh, Ohio uh, basketball, his senior year in, in high school. But I mean, he was just uh, probably the, the shiftiest and fastest guy I've ever seen. He could juke anybody out and it was just fun to watch him uh, run routes and, and catch balls on guys. But, uh, yeah, I was definitely blessed with a lot of talent in that receiver room. What did you think about uh, the the 2021 receiver room at Ohio State, though? Am I when you just looked at the production? Of course, 
to have production, you have to have opportunity, right? <laughs> so uh, that's, right. you know what I'm talking about, throwing the ball. Uh, tr- Coach Trestle, they threw the ball a few, you know, a little bit, but not like this team does, not like Ryan Day and Urban Meyer have done. But uh, but just what right. what was your take on that on that wide receiver room, man? I mean, Olave, uh, you know, Chris Olave, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, and then backed up by Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, uh, right on down the line, Mika Egbuka. But just what was your take on that group? Man, it's it's incredible just watching. I'm always uh, – I've got my ear out watching the, the recruiting news and the guys that sign up. And it, growing up watching Marvin Harrison, I was really uh, pumped to see Junior sign on. And, again, just the, the sheer depth. It's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's for sure a double-edged sword to have to spread the ball around to this many – a-list receivers and uh, uh, my mind's blanking, but even the kid that transferred to uh, Alabama who ended up yeah, being there. James and Williams. Right. Um, and so for him to transfer out, it's, it's competitive and you have to do what you have to do to, to line yourself up and give yourself the best opportunity to showcase your skills. And so to stand out in uh, Ohio state's wide receiver room is definitely a, uh, a career maker and uh, I'm just really excited to see these guys continue to uh, showcase what they've got and have uh, Brian uh, coach Harline just continue to build these guys up. But man, the depth is insane. I'm going to put you on the spot, you know, and you don't, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not going to say you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but you don't have to answer if you don't want to, <laughs> but uh, you could pick one of those receivers from last year, just one to start your receiver core, uh, who would it be? It's interesting. Um, hearing some of the interviews and, and hearing Olave and uh, Wilson say that, you know, in the receiver room, Smith and Jigba is the, the most talented kid. And then for him to see what he did in the Rose Bowl, uh, I guess I would have to go with Smith and Jigba as much as it was awesome to watch Olave and, and Wilson do their thing and uh, the routes that they ran and balls that they catch, things like that. Uh, I think I'd, I'd for sure stick with uh, Smith and Jigba and just kind of defer to there because, I mean, they see him behind the scenes and everything that he's capable of. So yeah. I'd, I'd go with that. Anybody's w- willing to work that underbelly, as I call it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and Yeah, and- I mean – Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, pay your dues. And he, uh, I like, I'm big on humility. I like when guys are, are okay with yeah. maybe uh, sitting the bench for a year or two, pay their dues, let the guys who've been there for a few years before them have their time in the spotlight. And then uh, when you're called up, it's your time to shine. It's always next man up, as you well know. Yeah. And uh, he's, I think, going to thrive this year. It'll be fun to watch him. Hey, uh, uh, what makes Brian Hartline a good recruiter in, in in your eyes? And and I say that recruiter with quotes around it because he hates being called a recruiter, you know. And uh, even though he was recognized maybe the best recruiter in the country a year ago, but uh, what makes him uh, a good uh, attractor of receivers or and or just football players? And from your from your experience with him. Uh, I think right off the bat, it's got to be relatability. Um, you know, you're not going to go in and meet these high school kids and sit down with their 
their parents, their families and meet them and be able to make a good first impression without first being relatable. And I think his, his age, obviously being one of the younger coaches is going to play to his uh, strengths. And then beyond that, it's, it, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where um, again, having that relatability right off the bat, but then just to show like, look, I, I played in college. I'm not just uh, some guy off the street, which doesn't necessarily need to be. Obviously, there's been plenty of guys who uh, weren't starters or whatever it may be, but they've got a mind for football, and that's um, more than half the battle. Yeah. But uh, to play in the NFL, to know the ins and outs of how college and NFL uh, business works, because it is a business, um, and then to say, look, you know, I'm going to put you in a position to thrive on a stage that most people would kill to, to, to play on. And then to show you exactly what needs to be done to make it to that next level, to be uh, uh, scouted and uh, drafted, and then how to, to navigate the, the business world of the NFL. Because again, we had, we had players, Coach Tress would bring players in, uh, former players all the time to talk to us and just kind of give us their advice. And repetitively, guys would say, enjoy your time in college because uh, the atmosphere in the locker room is totally different in the NFL and uh, it's cutthroat. It's a business and it's not as carefree as college. So I think Brian does a really good job of encompassing all of that and packaging it, packaging it up. And again, teaching, coaching these kids uh, how to be the best athlete and be the best receiver they can be. Yeah. He's a, He's a been there, done that kind of guy, too. I mean, you know, who clearly learned lessons, paid attention along the way. And, you know, now it's just bubbling out of him. Right. right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's funny when you got the whole package. I think he's got the whole package. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Again, just being able to have that personality where, again, you're relatable because we've all had those coaches that know what they're talking about, but they just don't have that. Uh, player coach relatability that you know you can go to and have uh, just those one-on-one conversations with and talk about stuff beyond football or whatever it may be Um, and I think if you don't have that it's a big detriment to your ability to produce and uh, have those results that ultimately every coach wants. Hey you know you you uh you you make a lot of appearances, public public speaking appearances. I think people know why now. You know how to express yourself. But, uh, you know, one of the things I, I think you and I were talking about before we started this uh, this show was that, you know, you get into like, you know, what, what you tell people uh, in, about mental toughness and things like this, of dealing with things uh, from a, uh, uh, you know, when challenges standpoint and stuff. You, you've, you've, you, I think you've become a pretty good uh a pretty good expert on that kind of deal. Right. And uh, explain what, what your message is, I guess. Right. So uh, beyond the foundation, because uh, first and foremost, um, like what he said and coach trust reiterated, you can never pay back, but you can pay it forward. And I think being able to take the experiences that we've all gone through, the adversities that we've faced and, uh, take those and do something positive with them. So uh, the foundation has been great to be able to help families going through what, what I've been through with my family. Um, and then beyond that, um, 
kind of like a life coach kind of thing. I, I like to work with people on coaching them on mental toughness. And um, I've kind of coined the phrase prehab because a lot of times you get injured and you have to go into rehab. Well, mental toughness, a lot of it takes place before the adversity ever hits. You need to coach yourself and learn uh, the different things of how to mentally process things and, um, you know, mind over matter. If, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter, that kind of thing. Um, and so I think ultimately I, I've been able to do a lot of reflecting on when my body was taken away. I, I literally could not move or feel anything below my neck. And all I was left with laying in that hospital bed was my thoughts and uh, my prayers and just things like that. And so I think being able to come through that and then combine that with all the coaching and things that Coach Trust taught us in our winner's manual, um, I've, I've really just tried to boil it down to a, a recipe of teaching people mental toughness and uh, how to mentally prepare for when those tough times hit. Because at the end of the day, we all have a decision to make of how we're going to react. We can't control the things that happen to us, but we can control how we react to it. And you can either learn from it and grow from it and be a better person because of it, or you can let it destroy you. And ultimately those paths go opposite directions. And if you want to choose the latter, then you're going to have a pretty miserable life from then on. So I try to, uh, again, help people with even kids. I mean, I, lo I love working with uh, middle school, high school kids to teach them about uh, even just mental resiliency on the playing field. It doesn't even have to be coaching or teaching somebody about preparing for adversity for a life-changing injury. It can just be like in the heat of the moment of, of the game or the competition, how to be mentally solid and perform at your peak, even in uh, the face of uh, stress and competition. Yeah. That's why the name Tyson Gentry now uh, means inspiration as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I've been inspired by you and I've hardly ever talked ever, but uh, I've been inspired by following your story, watching your story, watching you deal with these challenges. And like you say, you know, the challenge you face, there are some people who face challenges much bigger than yours, you know, and, uh, and find right. a way. And, uh, and Tyson, right. you are an inspiration. Do you, do, does that make you blush a little bit when I say something like that? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I very much appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. But again, I'm, I'm really big on humility. So it's always hard for me to sit here and, and uh, take compliments and, and all that. And I, I guess just at the end of the day, I, I give credit to God for giving me the strength. I've got an amazing uh, wife who makes my life easy every day for all the things that she uh, handles and, and, and does for, for me and our sons. And uh, again, I just, I, I wouldn't be here uh, the man that I am today without the help of a lot of other people. So I can't take full credit and uh, yeah, I'm just very grateful that a lot of good has come from a bad situation and given the opportunity to talk with people like you and hopefully inspire other people who, might be going through their own struggles. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's Tyson Gentry, and I really appreciate him joining me as my co-pilot on the 
to my podcast. It is a push button kind of situation anyway, when you get right down to it. It, it wasn't too bumpy, was it, Tyson? No, not at all. It's always uh, an honor. And uh, Tim, always good to catch up with you. And, uh, you know, despite not talking repetitively over the years, it's always uh, good to catch up and talk some football and talk shop for a little bit. Absolutely, brother. And we're going to do it again. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, that comes to the end of the this Tim May podcast. And I appreciate Tyson Gentry joining me. Be back next week. We'll talk a little bit. Actually, we'll talk a lot about Ohio State spring ball. What's What's coming, uh, guys who need to step up, uh, people that maybe I have my eyes on, Austin Ward has his eyes on, that, uh, that are interesting battles coming up in the spring. But for Tyson Gentry, this is Tim May. We'll see you then.